Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, August 16th. On this date in 1977, the world was shocked by the death of the king of rock and roll. Elvis Presley died at his Graceland estate in Memphis. He was just 42 years old. We also lost a few other legendary figures on August 16th. In 1948, baseball legend Babe Ruth died at 53. Then in 1956, actor Bela Lugosi, best known for playing Dracula, died at 73. And in 2018, Aretha Franklin died at 76. But today is a big birthday for the original Catwoman from the 60s TV series Batman. Can you name the actress who played her? I'll have that answer coming up. But first... Let's head over to the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center to check on your Wednesday forecast. And good morning to you here on our Wednesday. We're starting out with some patchy clouds. Temperatures down a little bit this morning. Not quite as humid outside as well. So some minor relief on the way today. See mid to upper 80s at lunchtime. Around 90, I think, early this afternoon. There will be a slight chance of rain this morning with scattered showers and thunderstorms as a possibility this afternoon, this evening. Rain chance about 50-50 today. Still fairly elevated. Scattered showers and storms tomorrow around 90 degrees as well. After that, from Friday into the weekend, the rain chance will go down. Temperatures will go up just a few degrees, not like what we've dealt with in recent days, but we'll be around 92 to 93 this weekend with a heat index around 100. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Now, let's get to your morning headlines. The National Transportation Safety Board has released its preliminary report on the Charleston County Sheriff's Office helicopter crash that injured the pilot. That crash had happened August 1st around 3.30 in the afternoon, shutting down air travel in and out of the area for several hours. The report indicates that about 30 minutes into a flight from Sumter, the pilot, Lieutenant Scott McTray, noticed the helicopter rotating to the right. He said it was as if, quote, the pedals were not attached. The report found two bolts used to secure the lever assembly in the tail rotor control systems were missing or loose. The report also says the helicopter was about 20 feet off the ground when it started to twist to the right. Martre lowered the throttle to maintain the altitude, and that's when the helicopter crashed. You can read more about the NTSB's findings under this story on Life5News.com. A former Lowcountry attorney who pleaded guilty after being accused of conspiring with Alec Murdoch will spend four years behind bars. In addition to that time, a judge ordered Corey Fleming to pay more than $100,000 in restitution and a $20,000 fine. The case involves accusations that he helped Murdoch steal money from the family of housekeeper Gloria Satterfield. Satterfield died after a fall on Murdoch's property. Fleming then represented the family in their settlement with Murdoch's insurance company for nearly $4 million, which they never got. The situation is tragic for all involved. Um, to the Satterfields who lost their mother in this horrible accident and are now faced with the reality that they were faced today. Um, and the reality of Alec Murdoch and, and Corey Fleming's actions, um, having their, their funds stolen from them, and to Miss Pamela Pinckney, who lost her son after two tragic and horrible accidents, and then again um, faced with the theft of her funds from someone she trusted the most. And what we also saw today is the tragedy that results from um, Mr. Fleming's family and friends and to Mr. Fleming himself. Fleming is still facing state-level charges. A trial date for those is set for September 11th. 
Meanwhile, Murdoch's legal team failed in their attempt to add the Satterfield's sons to a fraud lawsuit. A judge denied the motion yesterday. Nautilus Insurance is trying to get back the money from a settlement with the Satterfield family. The company says Murdoch lied about the circumstances of Satterfield's death. The judge ruled Nautilus is allowed to amend the original complaint, but will also have to prove the other defendants knew about the scheme. Next week, cadets at the Citadel will be the first to use the college's new humanities and social sciences buildings, and Live 5 got an exclusive look inside. Capers Hall features an auditorium, mock courtroom, and a training version of a sensitive compartmented information facility, or SCIF, where students will learn how to handle classified information. Citadel office, uh, officials rather say the new space will also benefit all the community. Classes at the Citadel begin next Wednesday when cadets will be able to walk into the new buildings for the very first time. If you're still trying to get your child ready for the school year, listen up. There are a few school supplies giveaways you can take advantage of this week. Tomorrow, Representative J.A. Moore is hosting a back-to-school clothing giveaway in collaboration with the original Charlie O. Company and Roden Law Firm. The giveaway will take place from noon to 5 in a mobile pop-up shop that will make several stops in several neighborhoods throughout Senate District 42. Those stops include Lime Street, Reynolds Avenue, and Otranto Road. They'll be giving away 300 outfits. And this Sunday over in Ladson, Dream Realty is hosting its annual back-to-school rally. It'll run from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. You can see that address there on your screen. There will be free school supplies, games, face painting, free food, haircuts, and music. There's also going to be a laptop giveaway. What to do with Sumar Street? That's the question the Charleston City Council considered last night. Emily Johnson was at the four-hour-long meeting and tells us more about development of the old Piggly Wiggly lot in West Ashley. There's definitely a lot to unpack after last night's council meeting. The council voted 8-4 to four in approval of more development on Sumar Street with this proposal, including civic buildings and more green space. Last month, the City of Charleston Community Development Commission meeting lasted three hours as commissioners argued over three different proposals on the Sumar Street development. Bringing up the issue again brought frustrated and heated discussions between council members. The developers say that they're waiting on council's guidance and want to get this done for West Ashley, however that looks. Otherwise, if we, if we don't approve this tonight, then we're back at square one with nothing at all going forward. And we've sent a very powerful negative message, a very powerful negative message to the citizens of West Ashley that we're paralyzed and we're going to do nothing. It's important to remember that the developers could ask for their $600,000 termination fee if the city decides not to use them for design. But if the developers are not used, it could take anywhere from eight months to a year for staff to create the plan. In Charleston, Emily Johnson, Live 5 News. Concerns about overdevelopment have led one Somerville Town Council member to file for election in another district. District 4 Council member Bill McIntosh says he has filed for election in District 2 as of yesterday. He says he's running to protect Somerville's historic district from overdevelopment and that the current leadership is running in the wrong direction. District 2's current council member Terry Jenkins says otherwise. Jenkins says he only supports responsible development. That pays for itself, and the council is careful about which developments they accept. Tiffany Johnson-Wilson is also in the running for Somerville's District 2. You can find her full statement on Live5News.com. 
A former State House representative and local businessman has filed to run as the next mayor of Charleston. William Cogswell has spent six years representing Charleston County at the state level. His campaign says he's helped raise teacher pay and championed a bill to provide free eyeglasses to Title I students in the Tri-County. Cogswell says his message is straightforward. Smart growth, safe communities, and sound governance. Cogswell is also known for his experience in the real estate industry, including redeveloping the cigar factory and the Navy Yard. According to the City of Charleston Municipal Election Commission, as of now, there are two other candidates who've also filed for the election. Cogswell joins current mayor John Tecklenburg, as well as Lieutenant Colonel Clay Middleton. The City of Charleston's general election for uh, mayor is set to be held November 7th. It's the first day of school for students in Williamsburg County. This year, the district is offering new programs, and one high school is getting a new principal. Our Destiny Kennedy is live in Williamsburg County at King Street High School, where students there will get to meet the new principal this morning. Destiny, we know that this year is bringing some new changes, but what's the update on where the district and the state stand when it comes to control over the district? morning, Nick and Katie. The district is still under control of the state. However, the new school year brings a new outlook on this decision. State Superintendent of Education Ellen Weaver, who took office in the beginning of the year, informed the board in March that the school district would remain under state control. Former State Superintendent of Education Molly Spearman declared a state of emergency in 2018. Spearman's decision to take over the district was due to financial mismanagement that cost the district more than $600,000. Chairwoman of the District Board of Trustees Marva Canyon at one point looked forward to the district returning to the board, but now looks forward to the continued collaboration with the shared goal of academic excellence. So far, new programs like the Flex Academy have been received well by students and parents. According to the district's website, this is a short-term flexible academic program for students in high school who have experienced setbacks and are either over age or not on track to graduate. A junior high student who had fallen behind various reasons but participated in the Flex Academy, which is a fast track program. Her son not only gained a grade with extra seat time, he actually um, will begin high school now with three Carnegie units. So he's surpassed where he would have been. I talked to the new principal here at King Street High School, Mark Frazier, who says he is excited for the new school year and to have a fun learning experience with the students. Reporting live in Williamsburg County, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. Thank you, Destiny. Well, district leaders also want to remind parents and students that only clear backpacks and bags are allowed on school campuses this year. Yeah, the district says that these measures are part of its ongoing effort to provide a safe and secure learning environment. Two South Carolina environmental organizations are working together to crack down on illegal dumping in our state. Volunteers with Adopt a Stream were already putting boots on the ground to monitor and keep local waterways clean. But the waste has become too much for the volunteers to handle by themselves, and they need more help. Our Madeline Jeskowiak joins us live in West Ashley to tell us how this new collaboration is meant to get and keep the trash out of creeks and better enforce litter laws. 
Palmetto Pride is stepping in to help and get those illegal dumping sites reported to law enforcement. Palmetto Pride is a nonprofit created by the state legislature whose goal is to prevent and eradicate litter in South Carolina. The nonprofit is working together with South Carolina's Adopt a Stream, which is run by the Department of Health and Environmental Control and Clemson University Center for Watershed Excellence to monitor local water monitor local waterways and alert authorities of areas where pollution is higher. In this partnership, the goal is to bolster removal of remnants of illegal dumping and litter from the state's streams, rivers, and creeks and document where it's happening. They also want to get local authorities more involved in knowing where common illegal dumping areas are and provide tools like cameras and signage to both deter people from dumping their trash and help police catch those who do. It's easier for law enforcement to track uh, legal dump sites uh, because we can put cameras up and we can have other ways that we can, you know, if we catch somebody on camera, you can put that on social media or the news. And oftentimes we get people who say, hey, I know that vehicle. And that's happened a good bit. Lyles told me if you are caught for illegal dumping, you could face thousands of dollars in fines or in some cases, even jail time. Reporting live in West Ashley, Madeline Jaskowiak, Live 5 News. As search and rescue efforts following the Hawaii wildfires continue, some in the Palmetto State are feeling the impact. One former South Carolinian is sharing new details on the Palmetto State's response to tragedy across the Pacific Ocean. Midland's native and Hawaii homeowner Frederick Griffin says his friends and family back on the mainland are doing their part, giving back to the thousands impacted by the raging Maui. I'm blessed that I have a lot of family and friends in South Carolina as well and They've, they've come together and they've sent money and they're sending clothes. The fire is now nearly fully contained as recovery efforts get underway. Governor Josh Green confirmed the fire has killed at least 106 people, but crews still have to comb through about 75% of the search area. And right here in the Palmetto State of Merle's Inlet, couple says their daughter lost nearly everything but her own life last week when the flames tore through her Lahaina neighborhood. So when we see all the devastation of our friends and family, the businesses, the history in the town, uh, it just, just really tugs at you and breaks your heart. The couple says they ran a bed and breakfast in Maui for more than 10 years before moving to Merle's Inlet, and their hearts are with the rest of the community. If you want to help those affected by the wildfires, Live 5 and our parent company, Gray Media, have partnered with the Salvation Army to meet the needs of survivors and first responders. You can text FIRE RELIEF to 51555 to donate. Over to the Atlantic Ocean, a group of rescued divers are sharing their shocking stories of survival off the Carolina coast. One saying that they went through quite a few scares Sunday after being swept away from their boat, even coming face to face with an apex predator. We kept two of the four spear guns because we wanted to be able to have something to defend ourselves in the case we got you know, charged by some sharks, which we did see about three o'clock on Sunday. A, a six-footer came right by Evan. The U.S. Coast Guard managed to rescue the four divers Monday morning, largely thanks to the strobe lights and radios that they carried. One diver claims it's an absolute miracle he's still alive after being stranded for nearly a full day in the open ocean. 
At the top of the show, I told you that the original Catwoman from TV's Batman is celebrating a big birthday today. That actress is Julie Newmar, and she turns 90. Also celebrating birthdays on this Wednesday, actress Ketty Lester, who played Hester Sue on Little House on the Prairie, turns 89. Actress Leslie Ann Warren is 77. Actor Reginald Val Johnson from Family Matters is 72. TV host Katie Lee Gifford is 70. Titanic director James Cameron is 69, and actor Steve Carell is 61. Thank you again for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. Hope you have a great hump day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.